everything that happens is happening for you in support of you. It's uh, building you, it's sharpening you, it's preparing you to actually live the life you were meant to live. And that means, you know, at some, t some points there's going to be uncertainty. And as long as you're certain in, in yourself and who you are and your mission, uh, there's no stopping you. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 155 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. Today, I am so excited to bring you my conversation with Akin Ackman. Man, I have known Akin for a while, and this conversation has been something that we have been talking about for what seems like forever. Growing up, Akin tells us in today's episode that he was a tennis whiz. He trained alongside some of the greats, including Maria Sharapova and Tatiana Golovin, and he dreamed of being the best and, of course, going pro until a back injury totally sidelined him. Now, coming to terms with his circumstance during that hurdle moment, it was not easy. And he says in today's episode that he probably went through a bit of depression at the time. But looking back on it now, he can't imagine his life without that happening. And that's because that injury led him down a completely new path, the path of becoming a coach. In today's episode, Akin shares the details surrounding the first spin class he ever taught in Miami and how he ended up moving to New York to pursue opportunities in the modeling industry. What started as him teaching some classes on the side at a crunch gym turned into him getting scouted by SoulCycle, where he would ultimately become one of the most in-demand coaches in the city with 30 plus classes each week, all of which would sell out in just seconds. It was during this time that his boot camp classes also became wildly popular and he became inspired to create a concept of his own. Akin talks me through the challenges that came hand in hand with launching ARMY shortly before a global pandemic. I was so intrigued to hear about Akin's backstory, but what I think is super interesting about him is really his mindset and how dialed in he is to the correlation between how we move our bodies and how we feel and what we feel empowered to do. His goal really is to help someone graduate from what they thought they could do, what their baseline was, and taking that to the next level, not just, again, in fitness, but in life. And honestly, I think he has a lot of qualities of a great coach in that he inspires his athletes both physically and mentally so that when they leave his class, when they leave an environment with him, they want to level up in other areas of their lives. Now, if ARMY sounds familiar, that's because not all that long ago, I had Atkins' co-founder, one of them, Angela Manuel Davis, on the show as well. 
Before we get into it today, I do want to give some love to one of my sponsors, and that is Beam. Beam is a Boston-based CBD company that is making waves in the wellness industry. I'll be real, for a long, long time, I was just so hesitant on CBD products because I didn't like that I didn't fully understand what I was putting into my body. I'm sure you can relate. I feel like every day another CBD product is marketed to me in my Instagram feed. What I love about Beam's products and why I trust Beam's products is that they are rigorously tested and all natural. One of my favorites is their Beam Dream Blend. Beam has, this is an understatement, completely revolutionized the way that I sleep. I mix up the blend powder, which tastes like a cinnamon hot chocolate with some warm frothed almond milk and a little bit of water about an hour-ish before I go to bed. And the melatonin, L-theanine, reishi, magnesium, THC, free nano CBD powder, all of those ingredients, they help me get to sleep better. Plus, stay asleep through the night. I feel like, geez, over the last year, waking up in the middle of the night was the worst. So integrating this beam dream into my routine has changed everything for the better. Of course, they have an awesome deal for y'all. Head on over to beamtlc.com. That's B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com and use the code HURDLE at checkout for 15% off. Now, worthy of highlighting, this works on subscriptions, which are already 20% off. So that means some math here. You could get up to 35% off at beamtlc.com. That's B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com using the code HURDLE at checkout today. I'm so excited because we are approaching the HURDLE book club date. We are reading The Art of Gathering on April 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern. I'd love to see you there. Link to sign up and register is in the show notes. Make sure you are following along with Hurdle on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And this week, fun fact, I am going to be choosing one lucky winner to be getting a month's supply of athletic greens to enter for your chance to win this awesome prize. Click on over to the show notes and click leave me a voice message. I am crowdsourcing questions from the Hurdle community to put into upcoming episodes. And these can literally be about anything. They can be about career, being single, finding your power alone, running, working out, mindset, you name it. I'm here for you. So click leave me a voice message and enter to win a month's supply of athletic greens. All right, I'm excited for this episode. Let's get to it. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Akin Ackman. He is the co-founder of ARMY. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Seeing you again. (laughs) I know it's been so long since we've seen each other in the flesh, but I'm happy that we finally found the time to make this happen. So much has happened since I've last seen you. Why don't we start off with you just talking to me a little bit about what ARMY is. I know the hurdlers have been exposed to it briefly because Angela was on the show, but give me the 411. Well, ARMY is, uh, it's a training facility and it's, uh, it's more than just training Physically, it's training uh, physically to unlock the mental so that you're prepped and equipped to handle everything that life has in store for you. And uh, it's a space to, to unlock the greatness that is already inside of you. And, and we do that through physical 
exertion and, and finding those moments where we can re- reset and recondition the mind to actually be on your side. So when we're reconditioning the mind, so to speak, talk to me about what kind of movement someone could expect if they were to come work out with you, whether it be virtually or hopefully soon in the studio. It's, it's uh, a lot of different movements. Each, each month we have uh, thematic series, which are programs. And, uh, and this month it's all about balance. So we have a BOSU and, uh, and you'll be you know, learning how to balance on the BOSU and doing uh, basic movements that you do on the mat on a BOSU with added proprioception. And, uh, and in those moments where uh, you know, we've all felt the burn or we've all felt uh, the exertion where we're pushing to a certain point, and in those moments where you have a choice, whether you can give up and nothing changes or you stay in and, and you know, check in with your body and check in with your thoughts, and that's when you can create new pathways, not just neuromuscularly, but neuro, just new neural pathways, um, which is self-talk, basically. Um, so right now you would expect that. But before that, we had uh, functional training. Um, for sports and then we had sports specific training uh where we basically mimicked uh you know tennis or basketball throughout all the movements and um and it just changes month monthly uh but the prior month feeds what we're going to do in the next uh and so does the messaging that surrounds it I know that we'll we'll definitely jump into some champions mindset stuff in a little bit, but you mentioned tennis, which I know originally was your bread and butter. So why don't we dial it back and you talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and how you got into sport from a young age. My parents put me and my sister uh, into tennis. Uh, I was five years old and I was playing in my club uh, in Turkey, in Izmir, Turkey. And, and my dad um, read a book about uh, this man, Nick Boletari, and, uh, and that there was an academy in Florida, in Bradenton, Florida, and, that, um, and then he decided that me and my sister had to go, go there. So we, we went to Bradenton, Florida. Um, this is two years after I started playing tennis. I was seven years old. And, um, and at the time, they weren't admitting um, just anyone. You had to be a certain level at a certain age, and they weren't really taking seven-year-olds unless you were uh, at a certain talent uh, or caliber. So we had to basically audition, <laughs> you know, go on the court and uh, and audition, and and um, and then we made it uh, into the academy, and we were put in Nick's group with uh, Maria Sharapova. Tatiana Golovin, there, Anna Kornikova was there. Like everyone was in that group, and you just train in different courts. But it was uh, led by Nick, so that's where it started. And I played tennis my whole life. The training was uh, intense. That's kind of where um, a lot of my philosophies flourished as a as an athlete, but then as a coach as well. Um, you know, Nick is still he's ninety something years old, and he's on the court still. Uh, coaching all day long. He loves it. And I, I would hope that I can uh, be that someday. <laughs> um, you know, no, no limits, um, always shows up and just like, a, you know, determined person. And I feel like I um, am very much that way as well. And uh, so I trained 
every day there except for Sundays because he always wanted uh, Sundays off. That was like his thing. And um, but I I kept training on Sundays too, <laughs> secret, <laughs> uh, because you know when you want to be when you want to be uh, the best, you wanna you wanna work harder than anybody else. And um, so that's where my mentality in a lot of ways came from. But then also there was this community that bred in IMG where every uh, student athlete basically was uh, there to be uh, professional. And that was such a great energy, like a, a different world. Like you go into the academy and it's a different world and your community isn't that you're missing out on all these uh, other things, uh, which is not a bad thing to want to go out or like be a kid, but like, but that was all of our mission. And, and, uh, and we would be missing out if we weren't at practice, you know, and then we would go and um, play tournaments around the world. So that's where uh, my introduction to, to training started. And then, um, and then uh, I coached for the first not for the first time, but I used to coach my my sister um, in like fitness because she was a phenomenal tennis player too. But I would I would basically train her uh, outside of tennis some, sometimes, and then um, and then I trained my brother who's nine years younger and my uh, my cousin um, who's like fifteen years younger. <laughs> so like I was their first coaches, and I started coaching when I was fifteen, and then I got hurt, so. Um, instead of going pro, like Nick wanted me to uh, try going pro, uh, which was really exciting to hear, um, you know, this coach who's basically coached four generations of top 10 players tell you to not go to college, but to, to go pro is pretty exciting. Um, but then I got hurt. So I, I only applied to one college and I went to college, but there I got hurt even more. Um, so I couldn't play. Uh, and I went to IMG again and I coached with Nick and, uh, and he kind of reinvented me as a coach there as well. And kind of, you know, got the opportunity to see the difference between a player and a coach. Before we keep going with this, talk to me a little bit about what the nature was of the injury that prevented you from going down the pro path. Um, I had two herniated discs in my lower in my lower back, uh, L4, L5, and it was pretty major. I couldn't um, I couldn't even walk, and this is like high school, and um, and I had tr actually transferred. I went to Boston because I wasn't at IMG at that point, but it was a um, IMG collaborative club in in like outside of Boston. Uh, it's called Manchester Athletic Club. And my coach from the academy that Nick appointed a travel coach for me and my sister, um, and his name is Francisco Montoya, he, he was leading the Manchester Athletic Club's tennis, um, tennis program. So I went there and he, he was training me. And, uh, and so I got injured there, um, not because of anything that they were doing, but just overuse. And, um, and one hip was more flexible than the other. Uh, so every time I would twist to hit my backhand, I was putting pressure on it instead of just like taking a second and building that mobility uh, and flexibility back. So I could, you know, have a greater range of motion and really stiffening the core up. So it's just like little things that 
um, actually taught me how to be a better coach, which in hindsight, I'm really grateful for. For you, when you went through that injury, I mean, I can't even imagine how scary it must have been for you to not really be able to walk at that time. I mean, now through training and so much of the, the stuff that we'll get into, like you've really strengthened the mind as a muscle. But when you're a teenager, like you don't have those resources. So how did you get through that time? You feel like everything's like happening to you like you're like why me why is it like why now like i'm about to you know uh finally get to the things that i've been working for my whole life like why you know and you kind of like sit in that a little bit but those thoughts don't really um do anything you know and in the moment i think uh, you know looking back at it it was also um caused by stress because i was an exchange student because it was my senior year of high school, I switched, you know, countries and cities, like, and uh, and schools, and um, and I didn't know anyone. But then also was living with a family that wasn't my family, and it was just kind of like um, not the best uh, experience. So I think that also you carry a lot uh, when you aren't emotionally. I guess I call it mature, and it doesn't mean that you're young or immature it just means that there's a level of emotional matureness that you have to achieve to not let certain things and emotions kind of take it out on you physically you know learn how to separate things or or deal with things in a different way that i didn't know how to do then but it taught me uh, because i had to go through it yeah for sure the vibe that you're explaining right now is probably how a lot of people felt at this time last year that idea yeah. of wow i feel everything's happening it's all going so great and then literally just dead stop on the world exactly yeah wait so when you didn't have this level of quote-unquote emotional matureness or emotional maturity how did you cope i mean i feel like i probably was a little bit depressed at the time. Um, I don't, I don't know. I didn't like talk to anyone or anything about it. I was more like, uh, I made this decision. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to like, you know, stay in Boston and, uh, and finish out this year. And then, uh, since I'm not going to go pro now and I have to kind of figure out, I'm going to go to school. So it's just like making decisions. And then, uh, I realized too, in it, I'm like, whatever happens, you can always find a way to be okay. So then that stress level just also drops like the expectation or like um, proving yourself to other people, like all of that stuff kind of like dissipates. And you're and then you're like, okay, well, I trained my whole life for this thing, but I can use what I learned from that in many different ways and apply it to my future. Yeah. And even though I don't know what that's going to look like yet, um, I'm just going to go, go into it. And in college as well, I lost my scholarship and, um, and I had to figure out a way to stay in, in college. And, um, you know, I, I coached and I, I was like a loan officer for a second. <laughs> like I worked at like a, a store cause I also broke my wrist and I couldn't, uh, coach tennis with my right hand, but then I also taught with my left hand. So like you figure out uh, everything. And, uh, there's going to be obstacles and roadblocks, but, um, but there's always a way through if you're open to finding the way I really appreciate having gone through all that because it really prepares you to handle things that are way bigger 
now, like a pandemic that nobody expected, and be able to pivot a startup and just always find a way forward, even if it's not the expected way or the way that you trained to move forward. For sure. So you're you go through the stage where you're dealing with your broken wrist after you were dealing with your herniated discs and that stint as a loan officer. When do you get to the point where you start to realize, you know what I could really thrive doing? Just coaching. First of all, I love training. So that was never going to stop. And, uh, and I loved coaching. So um, I loved coaching, but, but it was still the stigma, this ego that's like, you know, Growing up, all your friends were like, well, coaches, like you only coach if you didn't make it kind of thing. Like you kind of had have this, I did. I don't know why I had this um, thought process, but I loved coaching and, and it was just a different um, value you felt when you actually help someone uh, do things that they never thought they could do or win a match or, um, or even like help them through uh, more, more of like how they're going to, you know, go about life just through teaching them how to play tennis. You know, uh, I loved it, but I had to come to terms with it and it didn't really shift to what, uh, it became until I decided to go all in on it. So I coached, but then I also got, you know, recruited to model. I was like, let me start uh, trying acting and let me start doing like all these different things because I wasn't, uh, I never had the chance to experiment with like where else I could go because I was already, uh, tunnel vision on becoming a pro tennis player, which I loved. And that taught me a lot because when you are specific about what you want, that thing really has a chance to be extraordinary and, and you really build, uh, the skill to a certain level that you couldn't if you were kind of having your hand in many different things. So that happened in New York, actually. I came to New York. Well, first of all, I got into group fitness in, in Miami uh, at Crunch. When did you go to Miami? Um, I lived, well, I went to college in Boca. I lived in South Beach. I, I also taught at uh, Flamingo Park Tennis Center, uh, which was run by uh, Nick's son, Nick Boletari's son, Jimmy Boletari. <laughs> And, uh, and I worked with him and I loved working with him. And, and, um, and during the time I also would wake up and go running and I started cycling because of my back injury. Um, cause that was the first, one of the first things that I was clear to do cycling and swimming was the first thing I was clear to do. And I fell in love with cycling. I started taking, uh, spin classes at crunch and, um, and, and then I went into all the boot camps and ab classes and, and the, the instructors were, uh, so nice and phenomenal. And I was like, wait a minute, I love doing this. Let me ask this instructor. I always take if they're hiring. So I asked this, uh, woman Roya in crunch, uh, Miami who I talked to. And she's like, well, you talk to me. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I was like, okay, well I'm getting certified and, and, and this and that. And I studied sports medicine. Uh, let me know what, what I need to do and I can start. And she's like, well, give me your number and I'll call you to sub. And if you're already in the process, uh, that that's okay. Uh, if you're already in the process of getting certified, we can like hire you. And then the next day she called me to sub uh, a cycle or a spin class. And, um, and I went, it was a full room and then they all uh, became my 
athletes. <laughs> this is funny because you're the second person that I've had on the show that randomly got asked to sub a spin class, having never taught a spin class before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I was just like really excited. And I'm like, yeah, of course I can do it. And I've already taught tennis and I taught kite surfing. And I, I didn't even talk about that before. When did you teach kite surfing? <laughs> Uh, when I was like 17, I, I taught in Turkey. <laughs> so I love yeah, this. 17, it was right after my, I, I healed from my back injury too. So I was like, well, but I might as well just go and start teaching kite surfing. I feel like that's like a pretty risky thing to, to start teaching because of like <laughs> the unpredictability of the wind. I know. <laughs> well, I did it. And then my and then I needed a summer job, and my mom was like, "They're hiring kite surf instructors." I was like, "Mom, I've only started doing it two weeks ago," and she was like, "So what? You can do it." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I think you're right. I can do it." And then I was actually a really good kite surf instructor. <laughs> but let's go back to the the part where you're teaching spin on a whim. So talk to me about that experience in the room and how you felt when you left. Well, it was so funny because it's like they also didn't have microphones in the one I taught at. It was Alton Road, and and I had to scream, and uh, and I'm really like I have a lot of energy, and when I'm screaming, my veins are like popping out. I'm like, ah. I don't know if people can hear me. I can't hear myself. Music's blasting. I had so like it was such a high. Like I was so excited and nervous, and at this point. Um, you know, being an athlete my whole life, I can channel my nerves and my energy into action. And I like went all out and I was like cramping while I was like screaming and like, and then it ended and it was just like this, like such a high that I was so exhausted afterward. I'm like, I don't know what just happened. That was awesome. I can do this all the time. And, uh, and then that's like how it started in uh, group fitness. And so I transferred um, over to New York when I decided to move here. And I came here also because uh, Ford Models uh, wanted me here and I did well when I visited. So I decided to move and th they had me re-audition at Crunch. So I re-auditioned at Crunch and, and, and they took me on and I had uh, a regular schedule and, and bit by bit, everything like actually my my Crunch sessions, they were full immediately and whenever i would sub out everyone would be so upset and that's kind of where it started and they were like akin you need to make a you know a website or a, a facebook page and let us know when you can't you know when you're gonna sub a 6 a.m and this and that and i was like okay i'll do it and i made a facebook page and they told me they said call us uh, akin's army and and they told me the name. I was like, okay. And they I told that. you the name. Yeah, they're like, call us Atkins Army. I was like, okay. And then I started uh, building that, and then I went on Instagram and made Atkins Army there as well. And then they would ask for clothing or merchandise, and uh, and I was like, okay, I'll do that too. And I would go to American Apparel. I made my logo on Photoshop and Illustrator, and like screen printed all these things on like blanks merchandise at American Apparel. And then I would give them out to everyone. And that's kind of how it all started. And then I made my website from the logo too. And my now partner, I would go to um, his office, uh, Laird and Partners. He had this huge um, branding firm. 
Uh, so I'd be like, Hey, can I like, can I, uh, download Photoshop from you guys? And like, and what do you think about this logo <laughs> like, and try to like, you know, get him in on it. And he helped me with that too. And, uh, and that's kind of where I started convincing him to work with me too and build, uh, what, what is now army. Wow. But it was, it was like a process. And when I, when it was funny because at the time, like none of these studios existed. Like SoulCycle was, I didn't even know about it. I didn't know about Flywheel. And all of a sudden they were all recruiting me. They were all coming to Crunch and taking my class there and recruiting me. And, um, and so when I went in and met Julie and Elizabeth, um, I really liked them and their energy. So I went in and Julie offered me the, the position and I was like, well, okay, well I model. And I, so I can't go too far away from where I live. Cause I like, after the, you know, after coaching, I need to come back, change and like run to an audition. So I need the middays free. I can work in the morning or in the afternoon. And then I have to sub out whenever for any gigs that I have. Cause I'm also in that world. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden I had 32 to 34 classes a week there. And I was on top of it still at crunch doing my boot camps. So I was teaching 45 hours a week. And, um, and meanwhile, I had told them that I needed like these windows, but that freedom <laughs> gave me like the, you know, the, um, the chance to go all in. And when I did go all in, it kind of all changed. taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about Green Chef. Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. Say that five times fast. (laughs) Enjoy clean ingredients you can trust seasonally sourced for peak freshness. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Green Chef makes eating well, easy, and affordable with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier, there's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. I recently made their sesame, ginger, salmon, and plant-based protein and bean chili. They were both so delicious. And if I'm being honest, I love cooking, but sometimes I just don't have the mental energy to meal prep. So Green Chef makes it all a breeze. Of course, they have an offer for the Hurdle audience. Head on over to greenchef.com slash 90hurdle and use code 90hurdle to get $90 off, including free shipping. Again, that is greenchef.com, G-R-E-E-N-C-H-E-F.com slash 90hurdle and use code 90hurdle to get $90 off, including free shipping. Also want to give some love to my friends at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a greens powder that's got the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. I can't imagine my daily routine without it. Incorporating it over the last couple of years has completely changed the way that I feel in my body. 
I feel like I have more energy. I feel lighter. I feel like my digestion is better. I know that this all-in-one daily drink is giving me a necessary boost when it comes to my nutrition. And previous to this, I hardly even had a vitamin routine, nevertheless one that I stuck with consistently. So making a huge difference in my world. They have an offer for the Hurdle audience. It is a free year's supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs with your first purchase. To get that, head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Trust me, you're going to love this stuff. Let's get back to the show. Before we keep going here, Julian Elizabeth, obviously Soul Cycle. I've had uh, Charlie on the show before. She sang their praises as well. I know both of you have a history with the company. For you, when you started teaching that many classes a week, did you at the beginning ask yourself, like, am I capable of this? Or did you always just have this unwavering belief in yourself that you were strong enough to handle what you were getting into? Oh, my thing was like, I've been trained for this my whole life. And not to mention, if I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to demand a certain level of excellence from my athletes and I want them to have a space to grow, I, as the coach, need to show up and put in the hours so that my athletes have a chance to actually grow into that uh, expectation or that vision that I have. Mm. Um, it's more for the people and it didn't start right away where it's like, um, you know, first they gave me like, um, five, six AMs, uh, you know, five or six AM. And then I had a nine thirty PM. Uh, so it was like, you know, they gave me the midday free <laughs> really. <free>. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so when I started being able to, you know, sell out, cause they also like not Julian Elizabeth, but the training program, uh, would say like, well, you, you know, can sell out um, classes at Crunch where they have a membership and it's free to train with you, basically. Uh, but can you sell out when it's, uh, you know, 32 uh, per class? Um, and I was like, of course I can. I'm the best. <laughs> and And I was like, and no one is going to, uh, show up the way I'm going to show up, not only just physically, but in terms of uh, learning everything that I need to know to be a coach. I'm always learning, always growing, always building in every way because once my athletes reach a certain level, it's up to me to, to bring them even higher. And I think this, I think this mentality is really interesting, right? Because a lot of people struggle with saying the sentence that you just said, like, I am the best, or I can do this, or just having that like unwavering sense of self-belief for you. I mean, you were at the beginning, arguably, despite being good at what you were doing, like you were still relatively early in your career, especially compared to where you are now. So where do you think that came from your background in tennis? Well, when I went into Soul Cycle, I already had like seven, eight years of experience, um, you know, as a group fitness coach. Um, so that was one. And two, I have already been through uh, times where I let other people's limited thoughts affect mine or let them dictate who I can be. And I was no longer doing that. 
and there was no space for that. And, uh, and I was gonna, you know, I know who I am and, and how I show up and, uh, and all the time that I put into, um, this world, it's literally my whole life. Um, so in the way nobody has the experience I have, um, so that was my mindset coming in. And then I was also not saying that I'm, you know, done learning, able to also see and learn from everything else that was happening around me and everyone else that was also um, doing well in the, in the field. It must have been crazy for you when you started to sell out those fives, those sixes, because I remember when we met, this is probably a little over five years ago now, you were an instructor where if I didn't sign up within 30 seconds of your class going live, you don't sign up, you don't get in. Yeah. And that was for, <laughs> imagine that was for 34 classes a week at, at SoulCycle and all the 34 classes so even like the times that other people will say it's like oh it's the time slot like that time slot is bad like there are no bad time slots if you have a mission because the mission is not about me selling out the mission is uh to create a space for people to come in and actually grow and through teaching them a skill and giving them the time to actually build the skill uh you get to build their mindset and then they can go off and, uh, and I call people my champions, like champions in all different walks of life, applying the same mentality and philosophy that you, you learn and practice to uh, raising your kids, to uh, leading your team, to running your company, um, to even running a marathon. Like there's so many different ways that you can use this. Uh, you train for life. And then also the people that you get to surround yourself with your team your community also gets to step with you on on that journey what year you know? did you run the marathon i think we ran it 2016 so let's just right? give the hurdlers like a little snippet into your marathon story what inspired you to run a marathon and what would you not advise someone listening to this podcast to do if they want to run a marathon <laughs> so um i got so I wanted to run the marathon. So I started doing these uh, things where I kind of speak what I want out loud into the universe. And then uh, the universe, yeah. And the universe gives you the opportunity or the shot. So I was like, oh, I really want to run the marathon. And then all of a sudden I get a DM from ASICS and they're like, hey, uh, you want to be on our team for uh, the New York marathon? I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> And, uh, and then they had this whole program where you run with a coach uh, or you train with a coach. And I was like, okay, but I don't have the time because I have work because I have, you know, 34 uh, classes at SoulCycle. And, and then I have like eight to 10 more that I teach at now. I think I was either at Crenstall or I had switched to Bandier with Army, with Atkins Army. Anyway, so I was like, I don't have the time to, to do that. And, and I literally ran twice or three times before the, the, the marathon, twice I did a four mile at Barry's. Uh, and once I, um, I ran on my own for 10 miles and, and I was like, I'm not going to look at my watch. I'm just going to run. 
And I was like, oh, that's got to be 20 miles. And then I had to really go to the bathroom, so I had to stop running. <laughs> and then it was 10 miles. So, uh, so that was it. And then we get to the race, and, um, and I'm you know, sitting in with, like, uh, we got access to the VIP section with ASICs. So I was sitting in, in the tent, and uh, the, some of the people on the team were like, oh, like, did, you know, how did you train? And I was like, I didn't really run, but I, I cycle a lot. Uh, and they were like, oh, what do you want to get as your time? And I was like, I want to get like three hours to three hours and 15 minutes is my goal. And they laughed at me. And they were like, if you didn't run, there's no shot that you're doing that. And I was like, this is what I needed. <laughs> Thank you. And then, of course, do you remember this? I think you were with me. <laughs> I was with you. I don't know if I was with you at this moment when the people were like, you're crazy. We were on the bus together. We were on the bus together. And I was just sitting next to you being like, who is this superhuman? <laughs> Give them the outcome. I did 311. And, um, and actually, I was still projected to finish in 245 at mile 18, but no excuses. But like my music died and I had already like I was so sore. So I wouldn't recommend you to go and run a marathon um, without running because it is I mean, my breathing is fine from cycling, um, but you're you're using muscles that you don't use while you cycle. Um, so my legs were like, I had to talk to my legs. I was like, nope, we are not stopping. You, you get your shit together and you finish this marathon. You do it under 315. Like, that's oh the goal. Gosh. Oh and my I did. Gosh. <laughs> I'm glad that he said this. I'm just going to reiterate it again. No one on this podcast is advising anyone to go run a marathon without running. Just just like going to put that into the universe at least three times. Three you should times. Train. <laughs> so what that story basically established is you are a nut, of course, but in all of your years of being this active, uh, what has your experience been working with either like physical therapists or talking to doctors about like what it is that you're putting your body through? I haven't needed to really go to um, too many physical therapist appointments or anything. I've, I've been really good about um, my mobility and flexibility and my pliability Uh right after the back injury like it was um you know the the way you come back from that is a first you don't do anything <laughs> then and you just like i my physical therapist at the time was also a, a chiropractor and he would basically realign me every day and that's all i could do at first realignment and electric stem and then i started to be able to stretch without pain mm. so that's all i did stretch and foam roll and then I was cleared to swim and cycle. And then that's all those things is all I did, you know? So, so I kept that as a part of my routine and that's uh, become army stretch um, now. And, uh, and cycling is obviously huge in army. And then the boot camps are also a lot of the movements, especially at the base of it, are all corrective movements that I did in PT um, and what I did growing up at IMG uh, mm. training. So I, I developed this uh, method that is, you know, it is functional um, training for, for people's lives. 
Uh, and if you're doing it correctly, it's going to really benefit you. Talk to me about the transition from SoulCycle to going out on your own. SoulCycle, I have to say, was really, really great. I had a non-compete, obviously, and, uh, and I resigned. Um, and then I said, because I'm not going to be able to do anything for 12 months, we can activate the resignation, but I can still stay and, and teach uh, if you if you guys will have me, and they did, and and so the transition was pretty smooth. Initially, it wasn't all sold out, um, but I mean, but we did have a great base, and um, and so we had to build that. The business side is different. Co- training coaches is different. Um, teaching people your method and your language is different. You know, there's a lot that goes into going off on your own and with a team, because uh, it's not your on your own. Uh, you have partners, uh, you have people that depend on you. You, you know, you set the, uh, the example and, and so you have to build this whole culture, uh, within, and then that has to, uh, be felt, uh, for the people that are on the outside of, uh, of that as well. So it's been, uh, a really, really great experience in terms of learning and growing, um, not only as a, as a coach, uh, as a person and an entrepreneur. I mean, you launched shortly before the pandemic really kicked in here. So what was that experience like for you? I would assume that it felt comparable to when you had those herniated discs in your back and you were like, I worked so hard to get here. How is this happening right now? Uh, well, it, I, actually, it wasn't that that thought process wasn't there at all. It was hmm. more like, Okay, how do I figure out to how do I figure out a way to keep showing up? Um, I didn't know that it was gonna be you know nobody knew it was gonna be like a year. My thing was like okay, what what can I do today? I'm shutting down for the safety of uh, the community and the athletes and and the uh, the team, the internal team. Uh, but then how do I keep showing up? Because we were always meant to be digital, but we aren't there yet. We haven't built out the app. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go live. Uh, so we close on Friday uh, the 13th, Friday the 13th, and then Friday the 14th, or no, Saturday the 14th, uh, I went on Instagram and I, uh, and I just did two live sessions, uh, one or two live sessions, um, and used their platform. And, and I used to do that when I did Bandier. I used to do lives and, and then everyone went on the lives and I was able to reach more people. And I was like, we got to keep this momentum with my athletes. It wasn't even about like the brand is about the community. You know, it's about showing up for the people and making a space for them to get their mind right and go and execute on everything that they want to build uh, outside of here as well. So I'm like, I just need to keep showing up because I feel like people, A, we've worked so hard to get here. Uh, not as the brand, but as uh, athletes. And B, uh, I feel like people need it more than ever to get their mind right. Um, so we did that, and then, um, and then we lo- I looped in the whole team, and I was like, okay, let's, let's build out a whole program with all our coaches around it and try to keep everyone um, working and active and, um, and you know, tell people that they're not alone. 
and that we can still reach each other even when we're meant to um you know be apart yeah uh, and there's all these platforms out there that we can use so we did that then i posted stuff like all like some of the workouts that uh, i saved from instagram on youtube and then so that like i made like an on-demand thing too and just like tried these different platforms and uh and then 150 days of free content like that um later we were able to pivot and build the app on the back end but also change our um our pop-up which is now the permanent space into a uh filming like uh studio a production studio uh so i mean what it really for me at least i know um everyone has different experiences through it but for me um i think probably because of everything that i experienced uh leading up to being a coach um i was just excited that there was other ways to to do it so there was you know like i said in the beginning there is no obstacle you just learn to look at it differently and you just keep moving forward when i ask you what is your purpose what is your answer my purpose is just to to share my insight and to to bring uh whoever i can touch uh to a different baseline so that they don't necessarily have to go through everything i went through to get there but then they can take it from this baseline further i feel like my purpose uh transcends me and self is just kind of like sharing insight and then teaching people what i know and through teaching them we can open up our minds to more who inspires you to be great i mean there's a lot of people that inspire me my my mom um and dad because of their um unyielding and basically at some points relentless uh trust and and support in me my my brother and sister coaches that have come before me uh that that I look up to like Nick Bolatari like I said earlier that he you know still on the court coaching all day long and he's 90 years old he was even on Instagram he does these like Nick nuggets now which is like I love it he um basically uh gives like a quote or like a a sentence a day his mindset And it's he's like giving so, me content ideas here. So exciting <laughs> to see. He's giving me content ideas too. He's 90 years old. Um so that's really exciting to see um you know that you can you can do what you love, you know, forever. We uh we mentioned the phrase champion's mindset earlier. To you what does adopting a champion's mindset actually mean and what tips would you offer to someone who is in pursuit of doing so? I think a champion's mindset is someone who uh can see that everything that happens is happening for you in support of you. It's uh building you, it's sharpening you, it's preparing you to actually live the life you were meant to live and that means you know at some t- some points there's going to be uncertainty and as long as you're certain in in yourself and who you are and your mission uh there's no stopping you and and to to that extent i think a goal is also you know i think a champion also thinks that a goal is something uh that you aim at it's not always something you're going to achieve like uh my goal my entire life uh until I switched to being a coach was to be the number one tennis player. 
And, uh, and even though I didn't hit that target, that gave me a place to aim at. And now it, um, you know, I'm doing something that I didn't even imagine myself doing. If you would have asked me what I wanted to be when I was, uh, 10 years old, I already had my answer and it wasn't this, (laughs) you know? Uh, so just being open and, uh, and, you know, staying in what you're doing, but letting sometimes life guide you to where you're supposed to go. For someone that has difficulty adopting kind of this fluid approach, right? Like understanding or taking a step back and and looking at the bigger picture. I'm sure you you deal with athletes that are kind of in this like limbo, place of limbo sometimes. Uh-huh. What do you what do you say to them? How do you adopt that mindset? It's a process. I mean, it's it's uh, if you've already built um, certain mindset habits, uh, it's going to take a little time to break it. Um, so it starts with affirmations and, and it starts with affirmations, not only speaking it out loud so that it can be yours, but also applying action behind it. So take action and in the action, that's where you reset, uh, the affirmations. And I think like, to your point, it's also setting smart goals, right? Like if your goal to become the number one tennis player, like that's a huge goal, but you set smarter, smaller goals along the way prior to your injury that were going to help you to get to where you wanted to be. Yeah. It's a process. I I say this too. It's like as an athlete, think about an athlete's uh, trajectory. Like you train multiple hours a day uh, until, you know, most, most people are like 18, 19, 20 when they go pro and they already have this uh, fit like 10, 15 years of experience coming into going pro and they're like considered a rookie until they finally turn pro and then they have to prove themselves again. You know, so there's this whole journey and it's not something that happens overnight, um, but you experience it and you accumulate things that you want to take with you Uh, as you move forward and you don't have to take everything with you or you can look back and make sense of what's happened in the past that used to stop you before. And I think it's also rebranding things um, and not giving words and um, identity, uh, like identifying with something as like the, um, the end all. Like I think a lot of people don't identify uh, with being an athlete until you change what an athlete means. Like an mm. athlete is someone who is a professional mover. And at this point, everyone, all of you are professional movers. You know, we've been moving our whole lives. So uh, to be a pro athlete in a specific thing, then you move in a specific way that builds new neuromuscular pathways so that all that movement starts becoming second nature. You know, mm. so in, in, if you think about it, we're all athletes. And now if you're training a certain way, now you're trying to perfect that certain training or movement and then you can excel in it. I love what you said before about the idea that you don't have to take everything with you because I think a lot of people struggle with that. For sure. I mean, people hold on to like um, things like I didn't get picked in middle school for the dodgeball, whatever. Like I'm like, let that go. That's not something you need to take with you. What happened then doesn't define what's going to happen now. You define what's going to happen now with the mindset you go into now. What excites you right now? We are going to open soon. (laughs) So I'm excited about that. It feels like we're coming out of this um, 
kind of limbo uh, phase and that there, there seems to be that light that um, I know a lot of people have been talking about at the end of the tunnel. I'm just, I'm excited to see where this goes. When someone comes to your Instagram page, they see a coach, they see a guy that's got a lot of people following him for fitness advice and so on and so forth and doing some crazy stuff. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I'm, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm pretty much that guy that you see on, on Instagram. <laughs> um, I am, I like, I even the things I say, it's all also personal. Um, I'm someone who's, you know, also growing and someone who also sometimes makes mistakes and, and learns from them. And I'm a, you know, a dog dad, I'm an uncle, I'm a brother. I, you know, there's a lot of things that I am and I bring everyone um, that I love into what I love to do as well. So all right, Akin, right now you have an opportunity to offer the Akin a piece of advice when he finds out that he is not going to be able to go pro looking back on it. What do you tell him? You know, I don't know. I don't know if I told myself something then that would it be different now? Like I, I like everything that I had to grow through. So I don't think I would tell myself anything so that nothing changes. <laughs> I'm so appreciative for your time. I'm so appreciative to know you. Akin, how do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with Army? Give me all the details. Well, you got to, you're in the Army. Well, you've always been in the Army. So if you're not on the app, you got to go on army.com or download the app in the app store and, uh, and train with us. And there's going to be many different ways to train with us uh, going forward. The live in person is opening, safe in that capacity. Uh, we also have Zoom globally. So wherever you are in the world, you can join our Zoom lives. Um, and then we also have our digital platform with a, a whole VOD library. And then we have over 800 sessions there with many different programs. A, a reminder that it is pretty tough. Like it is, it's hard. Uh, but you're not meant to do it all at once. Uh, just like my goal as uh, wanting to be the number one tennis player, it doesn't have to happen all at once. It's not like you decide that one day and the next day you're it. Um, so don't be so hard on yourself. Show up, do what you can do. Uh, what you can do, your best is valid. And that's going to unlock something for tomorrow. Thank you for your time. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.